0: Still in Love with the X, the podcast for anyone who has ever been to Exeter University. Stand by for your hosts, Alex Borshott and first, Tony Hall. And episode two, Freshers' Week, 1989.
1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever time it is. Welcome to Still in Love with the X. My name is Tony Horn. I am in Lancashire and my good friend Alex Borchard remains in Exeter itself, Devon.
0: That is correct. I haven't been here all the time since 1989. I've been other places, but yeah, I'm back in Exeter. I love it here.
1: Well, there you go. You see, every time we speak, seeds are sown for future conversations and reflecting on The first episode, when we stop recording, there are always things that you think, "Oh, why didn't I mention that? There is a theme which I guess still prevails today, but we are students of 1989, so we can't know. And that is the question, what do you do in your year off? One of the things we talked about in episode one was zoning in on Exeter as a choice. I had a strange moment. I'm not religious, I don't look for signs, but on the 5th of January 1989, I boarded a plane in Paris to Bogota, Colombia, where my dad was, well, living, Avianca, he didn't mishear me being rude, that's the Colombian airline, you know that thing when you walk down the aisle, you got your ticket, and you're sort of looking ahead, and you're thinking, oh crikey, I don't really like the look, of the- I don't want to be sat next to them, and I suddenly, I saw this blonde girl, and I thought, that's my seat. I know it. And sure enough, when I got, I sat down next to Minnie Stevens, and I was drawn to her. And, of course, you get talking. And she had been at XT University. And I remember two things. She'd done Italian, which I did. So she told me about a legend of Exeter University, my Italian lecturer, Roberto Bruni, which, come on, Alex. Bobby Brown married Whitney Houston, of course. She also told me about late night mixed hockey, but I was intrigued and... I said, well, anyway, what are you doing? I'm going to Colombia indefinitely. I went for two months. And she said, oh, I'm going to Peru for four weeks because the plane was flying on to Lima. Well, you can guess the next bit. Eight weeks later, I'm in departures at Bogota Airport and Minnie Stevens walks in again. And Mick's hockey. We need to return
0: to that because that was my sport at Exeter, my only sport.
1: There are some things that clearly pass you by. Uh, but the the seeds were sown there. And I, you know, I class this as a beautiful moment in my life. I, you, We've all got to be careful on these shows that we talk about people that may, f- through whatever circumstance, may not be with us anymore. I did Google the legend Dr. Roberto Broody, and he is no longer with us anymore. Minnie holds a place in my heart just for being a baton passer, the guiding light yes that's before everything happened and let's go back to freshers week 89 now i'm mindful of course that we are going to start our stories in that era but our stories hopefully stand the test of time whatever your era was and and the first thing that occurs to me alex is that you you start to learn a whole new language that is university language, but is also extra language. So, for example, Cornwall House, CH, Devonshire House, DH, Freshers Week. And you mentioned the word in the last episode. I haven't heard it for years, but I forgot. It was simply just called the squash, wasn't it? Okay. Well, guess where I was last
0: Saturday. Well, why is it on a Saturday? I mean... Well, I seem to recall it was on a Tuesday evening. Yeah. And it was called The Fquash because they crammed over 100 societies into Devonshire House, Mm -hmm. mainly the lower exam hall, the great hall, and the bit between there and the M&D room, which incidentally is still there and looks exactly the same. They still have the cinema society there. Freshers' Fair, as it's now called, takes over the whole campus. The bit in Devonshire House is just the sports society, and there's now... Over 100 of them. That's just sports. We must have had maybe 20, 25 sports societies and maybe 150 societies all together. You know, phys sock for the physicists, chem sock for the chemists, bio sock, you get the sort of gist. And the funny thing is, the second one I talked to, Ultimate Frisbee, what's not to love about ultimate frisbee i mean i joined in 1989 it seemed like a good idea at the time i never went to any of them but a friend of mine was an avid fan and it's still pretty much exactly the same society just one difference it cost three pounds to join back in 89 it's now 50 and apparently that's one of the cheapest societies on campus that is that is fascinating um i don't think i need
1: to ask this question but obviously we all know that businesses like to attach themselves to freshers weeks and careers sessions throughout the the year i'm gonna guess that now just on what you said there that the whole freshers fair thing is absolutely full-on it's interesting how sponsorship has changed over the years as well you can see it in sports you know, when I grew up watching cricket, it was Cornhill insurance.
0: Now it's cinch. So the main sponsor of the Freshers' Fair this year is not Snappy Tomato Pizza, they're long gone, just like the papermakers, Mad Megs, sadly gone for 20 wow. years, John Rose Pizza, who are of course ubiquitous all over the planet. They have Google there giving out Google cupcakes and they have Megabus telling you how fun it is to travel by bus. <laughs> those are the three sponsors uh,
1: that's extraordinary
0: yeah. I don't really
1: have many memories of that fresh squash for us in 89 I mean Alex is right I had a feeling it was on a Tuesday night I do remember and I'd already had an encounter with the radio station which we'll come to in a few minutes but I of course I went and got the, they had in our year it was an orange card I have a feeling it was 12 pounds but I I might have made that up i was so giddy i think and probably so so naive um i think i joined french sock i can't say that i ever heard from them or ever attended anything that's just how i suppose is keen to be accepted it's also trying to align yourself to your academic stuff but the radio station was where I wanted to be, and I, I don't recall it being a standout night, but I do recall, you know, those nervous little conversations you have, and, oh, you're going to squash, you're going to squash, yeah, 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 let's head down, let's head down, and all, all that. It's a tick box exercise, but it wasn't, it wasn't one hell of a night.
0: Well, it's all about recruitment, and I mean, just imagine being on a planning committee for any society. You think, well, what are we going to do? What can we do that's different? Let's have a pub crawl, great. What else? I don't know. French sock. Let's have a a day trip. Let's have a weekend trip to Arras or Saint-Omer. Paris is too expensive. So French sock probably put on a play. They probably listen to a lot of French music. That was a typical society. It was all about the pub crawls. The reason it now costs £50 to join is because there's going to be a, a big party. going to be a summer ball and it gives you a discount on the summer ball and your, your trip now, to, not to Saint-Omer, but to the south of France.
1: I suppose the parallel there is, you, you know, stag weeks, replaced stag nights. Um, a few years ago, the most daring and adventurous would have gone to Leeds or Newcastle, but now you've got to go to, you know, Riga in Latvia or, or some, something like that. But anyway, let's talk pre-Freshers Squash about the first Mm. people that you met because i think that's how i ended up at one of those pubs on the first night i remember my mum and her partner terry had driven me down saturday and i was adamant that i did not want to arrive on a sunday i don't know why i think i just wanted more time i wanted to be settled and i set up my stereo Mm -hmm. in my room g306 i think and i was quite upset and appalled that the university radio station was not on the air, 963 medium wave it was back then. And I just thought, I didn't know how much I knew about radio at that point and nothing compared to now, but I knew subconsciously a lot from loving radio and listening to radio. And I also had been very aware of the broadcaster Paul Gambaccini stories of his time at student radio in, in Dartmouth in in America and couldn't pick up the radio station on Saturday night I thought that will never happen on my watch and in time we delivered for freshers. I also recall finding the local radio station, which was Devonair. Now I went on to work for Devonair and I remember 540. I think it was on a Thursday night in that week hearing Dave Moss, who I came to work with and work for because in a quirk of fate, he ended up running the radio station, which I couldn't quite get my head around. But Dave Moss would present a motoring program called Sidelight at 5.40, I think on a Thursday. And I thought, what is this? And I never listened to Devonair again until I was about to go and work for them in my third or fourth year. But the first two people I met, there was a guy next door to me, who was lovely, actually, and I regret losing touch, called Julian Perrett. And I'm not good on names and surnames. And he is from Chippenham in Wiltshire. And I feel like I'm saying this quite often, but I ended up working in Wiltshire, and I lived in Lynham, which is very near Chippenham. There's a guy across the road from me called Richard, I think. And he... Alex described quite well in the first episode the stereotypical Sloan. Well, this was Richard, stripy shirt and jeans. And there was a blonde girl in Dorian who I think her name was Anna. And people sort of migrated to her. And Richard was very much in that sort of group. And I honestly, looking back, and I don't mean the guy any harm, I never felt any sincerity or warmth. Whereas Julian next door, I did. I have a feeling, and I might be mixing stories here, but on that Saturday night when my mum had dropped me, I think we went for a couple of pints. And you know what? It's What's really harsh is that three pints would get you wasted. <laughs> and And now, with the years of experience taking its effect. I mean, three pints is just it's just a warm up, but that's also the beauty of of student life. When you arrive in Hope, Alex, you arrive in Hope, literally.
0: I did I have Hope until I arrived. Can you recall the first people
1: that you met that, that first, yeah, okay, let's go to the pub together and pretend we're gonna be friends for life. Well,
0: let me talk to you about what happened before that, because you arrive at the halls of residence, in my case, Hope, which is now no longer a hall of residence. It became the admin center university for a few years. It is now Owlets, which takes people from the age of three. More about that later. It's a primary school. But back in those days, it was a former set of nice houses in a pleasant estate that had been that part of campus lopez across the road was an established hall but hope was just a collection of sprayton way montefiore the main hall and saint germans where i had a quite decent sized room that was the good news the bad news was because i had a decent sized room i had a roommate called ian (laughs) and you know how (laughs) <laughs> who did chemistry. So you know what it's like when you meet somebody and within three seconds, you know that you're not going to be inviting them to the pub ever. Well, that was Ian. I met him and I, I get on with most people, but it was clear that he wasn't going to get on with me. And we shared a room for a whole term until he clearly thought, I can't go living with Alex anymore. I'm going to move in with my grandmother who happens to live in Exeter. So... We shared a room with me with my rather decent hi fi system and him with his rubbish music system with a rubbish set of tapes and a couple of CDs. And the only thing we had in common is we both thought Def Leppard, their album at the time, Hysteria was reasonably good. That's all we had in common. He works in the bar, sold Foster's, which he described as um, watered down urine. He works in the bar in the U. And I don't remember him ever having a conversation with anybody during his first year at university, apart from people he served in the bar. Typical chemistry student, really. Whatever
1: your era, there'll be songs that stand the test of time in your mind because they're associated with a time and a place, and that place, of course, is Exeter. Maybe at the start of the summer, you might go fortunate, and by the end of the summer, you might be saying unfortunate, but Alex and I being on the radio as term broke up in the summer of 1991 with Brian Adams, number one at everything I do, I do it for you. Coming back for the 12-week vacation, and he's still number one, and that's probably only happened, well, there were other number ones for 16 weeks, I think, but not many. And I don't know how they sort of glided across term time but that record is obviously it's a later exeter memory and it's a later university radio memory but mentioning music reminds me that in the first week i met ruth hamilton and i've lost touch with ruth and i i thought she was tremendous a bit feisty destined to be a competitor in who was the best linguist and she was brilliant But I gave Ruth my cassette of Suzanne Vega's album. I don't know what it was called, but it had Luca and Marlena on the wall on it. Solitude Standing. Brilliant. When did Ruth give it back to me with the tape all mangled and falling out? When do you think she gave it back? Ten years later. The summer of 93, when we were all packing up (laughs) and leaving for the last time. Unbelievable, and a lot Brilliant. happened in that time uh, that Ruth and I could count as mutual experiences, and some of those we may well address if we discuss the, the year abroad. But they're the first people that I met, the first, the first places I went to, the societies I joined. Does anything else happen in week. do we
0: have lectures and stuff like that? I don't, I don't know. I think other people have lectures. I do remember the introductory lecture, which told me what the next three years was gonna be like in physics. And it was terrifying. Physics is really complicated and it's a four year degree crammed into three years. Some of them spend five years doing it these days if they do a sandwich course. Physics, uh, which basically hasn't really changed since the 1930s, is hard. And I noticed that in the second year first year was easy, because it was it was basically getting everybody up to the same level. And I had the advantage of having been to, I think we talked about last in the last episode, a very fine school that had excellent physics teachers. So the first year was a doddle, 40% of us failed it, I sailed through. The second year, which was spent mainly in the University Radio Exeter studio and the RAM, and sometimes the U and the Black Horse, that wasn't so easy, which is why I did the second year twice. <laughs> <laughs> the Black Horse. Crikey. There's a name. Now, the Blackie. He <laughs> was a place you weren't
1: supposed to go to, I think, until you lived out of halls. But somebody I do know well that drunk there will be our first guest. And let's just say we've got to pace ourselves with guests. We're going to initially work from our friends list and not be incestuous about it. I mean, the first guest that we will have on this pod will be Andy Sinclair. Now, we weren't students with andy but i would see andy because andy took a job as publicity manager for the northcourt theater that's an episode in itself i think andy worked on on devonair before i did and you know i'm conscious of the fact that when i say devonair people go god that's a blast from the past just the name but also andy was the disc jockey at the warehouse and boxes i think on a thursday night might have been a monday i'm not sure thursday night was always the big night so in our next episode we will look at the university radio station and the following episode we will look at warehouse and boxes and as i said in episode one we're very conscious that many of our stories and relationships are born out of the university radio station we have to get episodes out of the way about it because there are so many stories to tell but we don't want it to be about that we want it to be about some of the places alex has mentioned you know <laughs> the black horse and mad Mix and spudgy like, like. I remember the Spudgy yeah, like not- on the is it sidwell street nope the main
0: is it sidwell nope, street that's the where main Testament street was. in what's no, the things were on sidwell street no it was on the cathedral close and spudgy like wow. was just as you turn into the cathedral close it's now long gone and it's now basically a load of posters telling you which gigs are coming up. Fairpool convention are playing next month, which is pretty much that was the news forty five years ago. <laughs> you got a big thing for Fairpool Convention, I'll take it. Still in love with the ex. one of
1: the bizarre things when we came to be on the university radio station was that it was almost by order that you would read out the cinema times i think it would be at 25 to the hour i think most would use the hill street blues theme music but these are memories that have been dormant and we will we will explore that in the first of many URE occasional uh,
0: episodes it wasn't the hill street theme music. It was the Film 86 film music which is a piece of music Brilliant. called I Wish I Knew How to Free by Nina Simone. So it's a, it's on the piano with a bit of drum in the back. And it is, it's irrelevant. The songs by Nina Simone. It was known throughout the eighties as the film 82 music, the film 83 music, the <laughs> film 92 music. Barry Norman used it, but Barry Norman was it. He, he was the film critic of the seventies, eighties and nineties. I don't use the word legend lightly, but he was. He was the David Attenborough of the film world. Well, okay, Alex.
1: I mean, that firstly, that's a great interjection, but two things on that. Barry Norman was mimicked on programs like Spitting Image, which is, again, a moment in time oh, yes. for saying, why not? But apparently, he never said it. And the other thing that people forget is that I don't know which Olympics it was, but there was a time zone lag. Barry Norman presented the Channel 4. Olympics coverage in I think it was the 80s. Fantastic. Um, yeah. As far as I can recall, the only other details of Freshers Week are well, getting my grant which was massive. Uh, not not the amount of money, but just getting it. It was massive for me. I wasn't parental funded. And I make that point knowing that grants don't really exist now, but also that many people at Exeter University were living off daddy's daddy's dosh but you know i'm really really very comfortable with that and i think it was quite forming if you like quite character building uh, later on in university life i would actually have two jobs and still get a grant in that first week i don't recall much academia except that keith cameron now he is a legend keith cameron ran the french department and anybody that did yeah. French will go, oh, no, not Rabelais. Keith Cameron was obsessed by, I think it's 16th century, 17th century, this text, Rabelais, it's not even written in French that you you need to translate it from that French to French before one to English. And there was a horrendous exam at the end of the first year in which you, you were looking to see if you got 45%, and that was, you know, quits him. But Cameron stood up. He had an opening lecture that was very impressive. It was, at the time, the best public speaking I'd seen. And he did make a really good point, which is that be proud that you are an Exeter University student, because Exeter University, I think he said, was the second biggest employer in the city to Sainsbury's. I think it's probably bigger now. But he did say, and wise words these are, your three, four years, four years for languages will soon be up. and From this moment onwards, you will waste a lot of time drinking coffee in D.H. Devonshire House. And he was smart. You know that old phrase, if I knew then what I know now. Yeah, Cameron put down a marker and they flew by. But that was a standout moment. I mean, at the time I was thinking, crikey, your course is shit. But actually, you can't see that three or four years ahead that he's talking about before we know
0: it. well. Before I know it, Alex, sorry. (laughs) It is three or four years late. You never forget the Freshers' Week and the fact that what was on at the Odeon? Dead Poets Society, which is an absolute classic, of course, Robin Williams. And I met a really lovely girl called Kerry at dinner in Hope Hall. We had reasonably good hall dinners. And we were talking about Dead Poets Society and she was saying, I really want to see it. And I said, we should go. And before you knew it, I'd asked her out to the cinema, to the Odeon. And I'm the kind of person, I've never asked anybody out on a date in my life, I think, apart from that occasion. Any relationship I ever had just happened. But here I was, I was 19, never really had any serious relationships with girls at the time. I asked her out, she said yes. And then when I turned her up to pick her up to go to the Odeon, she had two chaperones with her. She clearly panicked after saying yes and thought, oh my God, going to the cinema with somebody I've just met that's a date. That means we need to hold hands. That means when I get back. Blah, blah, blah. And so the two chaperones, one of them was called Gary Oldroyd. He probably knew because he studied French and German. They were there as two chaperones to make sure that I didn't hold hands with her or anything naughty in the cinema in the dark.
1: Alex, that's a great story on so many levels. Firstly, I don't believe that was fresh as wheat because I recall John Dovey, who I came from Tiffin School to Exeter with, told me, you've got to go and see Dead Poet Society. John W. had watched it on a late show on a Friday night at Northcott, And I think he'd watched it maybe later on. But he said to me, you need to go and watch that. That's your life, right? And I've never seen it since. I didn't go then. But the other thing there that you tap into, and if we're all honest, naivety on the table. Alex has outlined brilliantly a conversation that ends up in a date. And when you come from the kind of schools we've come from, notwithstanding a bit of sixth form intervention, you appear to have not just talked her into a date, but you appear to have talked someone else into a date. And I remember, and again, she came with chaperone. I don't even know how, but there was a girl called Marie Lang Anderson. But we spent a lot of that term talking. I can see her sitting on the end of my bed nothing ever happened she had a curly permy hair mate bloke who seemed to be everywhere with her and i, I just don't know but we were in each other's
0: pockets and then overnight the pockets were empty <laughs> I'll tell you a secret if you're a physics student and you've been to a single tech school nothing ever happens at all until the final year not until june Nothing happens. Nothing happens romantically. Didn't have a clue how to talk to women. We were both completely thrown. Carrie and I were panicked, I think. We just accidentally asked each other out on a date. It was a brilliant film. Haven't seen it since. But what's not to love about one of Robin Williams' greatest ever performances?
1: Well, we arrive at the elephant in the room. And I mean that not derogatorily, but the university radio station from where so many of our memories come. One thing that I concluded in mentally preparing to do this podcast was actually how little time I spent there when I spent every moment I had there. And the reason for that is second year in Italy and then third year by quirk of fate I end up being a professional on the radio but also a student so actually alex i really only did four and a half terms at the university radio station but it's such a colossal moment in my life and a colossal (sighs) footprint in you know what i went on to do freshers week i remember it's a sunday sunday lunchtime and I find the radio station, and it's open, and I can see and hear a speaker outside it. Thank God, because last night when I tuned in, there was nothing. guy called Mike Penny was on the air. Very inspirational character, station manager when we arrived. At the door, and this is going to get a bit tough now, um, I can still see what he was wearing in his hoodie. One of my closest friends, James Brokenshaw. And Brokey met me, and he met everybody in the same way until his sad death a couple of years ago at the age of, like, I think he was 53. James went on to be Northern yeah. Ireland secretary. He could have been an LBC broadcaster. He was obsessed by LBC. And he met me, and he shook my hand, and he smiled in a way The politicians do, but also in a way that was James and was sincere. And he said, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to do everything. This is outside the radio station. And he said, well, I do a travel program on a Wednesday night, I think, called A Leisurely Approach. And I went, great. I've just been to Columbia. I could do a piece on Peru. When can I start? And the radio station had basically a term's worth of training that he was supposed to do. And I I think I was on. Re- the first show wasn't live, but I think I recorded three days later. And that particular journey began. I sought out the radio station. And meeting James Brokenshire was... The beginning of an incredible friendship. But also he knew a lot too. He knew about radio. And James was in his third year doing law, just starting his third year. So our time together was always going to be truncated. But when we tell this story and we look at landmark moments, and the biggest landmark moment is that decision to go to Exeter University, that afternoon on the sunday and meeting james was you know it's right up there right up there so alex Wanting to rewire the place, probably. Yeah, (laughs) this little shed under the steps. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You know,
0: you you go into Exeter University; it was all about. It was always going to be all about university radio, Exeter. For me, it wasn't quite the same, but it nearly was. So, I didn't go to Exeter University to go and do radio. It was more that I went there to do physics, and I thought this is a nice campus. And when I read the the guide to what's going on at Exeter University, I remember a line in there saying, and the university has its own radio station. And for me, that was the most amazing piece of information. So to be at a university that had its own radio station was out of this world. And I remember the Sunday having met Ian, and that wasn't a very long conversation, then going with my parents around (laughs) Devon house going to the to the guild supermarket the so there's a guild shop it's still there upstairs in devonshire house downstairs between devonshire house and the library was with what is now the forum it's all indoors back then you had nat west you had ensley insurance and you had the supermarket the bookshop and the bookshop of blackwell's <laughs> is the bookshop <laughs> we talk about the supermarket because there was a pair of loudspeakers and I had the distinction as picked for years the only place in the world where you could hear University Radio Extra outside the studio in stereo. And I was in, I was in the supermarket and my father said, came up to me, he said, um, somebody's just said the meaningless drivel coming out of this loudspeaker is student union meaningless drivel, which may have been considered hilarious uh, by the presenter who I believe was called Tree Burt. But I thought, I've got to find out where the studio is. And I found it was about 30 seconds walk away after some other distractions. I was in the studio half an hour later. Within seconds of arriving, I was sat down at a table with a microphone in front of me with a pair of headphones on. Who was behind the mixing desk? None other than Mr. James Brokenshire. Put me on air immediately and within seconds of walking in. And he asked me about what I thought of ex university. And I remember. Unfortunately, my memory is rather embarrassing. I remember waffling, and a look of panic on his face how am I going to shut this guy up? But you know what? that was an introduction to to somebody who i didn't never got to know as well as you did, but I mean a true gentleman, oh. clearly uh, his future was was not in broadcasting, it was in politics, it wasn't in law. He ended up being referred to in his obituary as the nicest man in british politics and I can't think of anybody who deserves that accolade apart from him lumping my throat saying that.
1: Alex, you know, the one thing that I learned instantly from James and whatever look he might have given you there, uh, James taught me never to panic. I mean, James is a master under pressure in a broadcasting studio. And remember, he didn't fulfill a career in broadcasting, but he was the other side of the microphone for, for many years and he knew exactly what he was doing he was very close to Theresa may and if you are from the worst rundown working class labor part of the country someone like islington no i'm joking (laughs) um uh you you know james would be a stereotype that you would not like but after james's funeral i got the train back to london with arlene foster and If you don't know who Arlene Foster is, just Google. But she said to me he was liked by all sides. And remember, he's in Ireland uh, before illness took him away. He was a dear friend, but also an absolute pragmatist. And I think that's the first time I've used the past tense about him. But there was always... Something in James which could he could give you the harshest advice, not criticism, the toughest love, and you knew that he still loved you. So I'm sure his name will reappear, and I'm sure also there that Alex taps into a theme that we need to pay considerable homage to at certain points, and that is those people that we met. At Exeter University that we know are no longer with us through tragedy or through age or through other circumstance. And I can see several names go through my head now, but that's for another day. We've got plenty of time and we've got plenty of stories and we've set the scene there for University Radio Exeter. We'll get that out of the way because it's easy and the energy that Alex and I feel for that will, uh, well, needs needs to find a place, and that place will come uh, when we record our next episode. It goes without saying, of course, that if you have something to offer to this, and that could be yourself or somebody else who you know would be an incredible guest, then please find a way to get in touch. We're very available. And I repeat what I said earlier, which is that we are well aware that we are zoning in on 1989, but actually, actually, university existed before us and after, so spread the word and come on board and i'll end as i always will now alex with these words and um, in time someone will find these words and they'll find the song that they're from but i love them so times of joy and times of sorrow we'll always see it through oh i don't care what comes tomorrow we can face it together the way old friends do.
0: podcast, head over to secretsofaghostwriter.com Still in Love with the Ex is a Horny Media and Publishing production.